This morning we're going to be back in the uh, Old Testament, the very first book of Scripture, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number 19, Genesis chapter number 19. We're going to be speaking uh, about a topic today that's going to involve a couple of Bible characters that we looked at not too long ago uh, from earlier in the book of Genesis, but we're going to be in Genesis chapter number 19 this morning, and uh, we're going to be reading from verses 23 down through 29. Genesis chapter number 19, verses 23 through 29. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. The title of the message this morning is The Cities of the Plain. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We are thankful for this time we can spend in your house. We ask that you'd meet with us, speak to hearts as only you can, uh, save sinners, draw saints closer to you, and Lord, teach us uh, what you want us to learn from this message this morning out of Scripture. Lord, help us to understand the implications of being around sin and being closely aligned and allied with sin and the destruction that can result from it. We pray that Christ Jesus would make himself known this morning. It's in his name we pray. Amen. The cities of the plain. When you hear the names, Sodom and Gomorrah. What kind of emotions are evoked from you? These are very these are very controversial names. As a Christian, you know I trust the Bible story of what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. We just read a portion of it here this morning. Even those that don't know the Lord, that have a position on certain issues. Uh, react very emotionally to the name Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah are well-known locations to any Bible student. Forty-nine times in Scripture the name Sodom appears. Twenty-four times both Sodom and Gomorrah appear together, and Gomorrah never appears by itself. It's always with Sodom. Everyone knows, and we just read this morning, that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But do you know about the cities of the plain? Now, after Abram and Lot's herdsmen got involved in this strifeful situation, and that's the message that I was alluding to a few moments ago when I said we looked at a couple Bible characters uh, a few months ago. We did look at how to settle strife dealing with uh, Abram and, and Lot's herdmen and the contention that came about because of all of their possessions. And you know that as a result of that, Abraham took the high road and he allowed Lot, his nephew, to choose where Lot wanted to dwell. And of course, Lot chose based upon the flesh. 
he chose the well-watered plain. Now this area that Lot chose is historically known as the Pentapolis. And it is known as the Pentapolis because it consisted of not just Sodom and Gomorrah, but it consisted of five cities. Scripture reveals these five cities as Sodom, Gomorrah, Admah, Zeboam, and Bela. And Bela would later be renamed Zor. We read about Zor this morning. Now, when God destroyed the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, He also destroyed the other cities of the plain. He destroyed four of the five cities. There is much for us as children of the Lord to learn from the destruction of the cities of the plain. What do we learn? Well, this morning I would like us to concentrate on three lessons that we learn from the cities of the plain. The first lesson, we see the deceitful and cunning character of sin. That's the first lesson. The second lesson we learn from the cities of the plain is the destructive consequences of condoning sin and then the third lesson we find is the deliverance by a compassionate and a caring savior we see all of these lessons through the cities of the plain let's look first of all at this first lesson we learn the deceitful and cunning character of sin sin is not what it appears to be it always takes you further than you want to go. We somehow conjure up in our mind that, well, you know, sin is not appealing and sin is not pleasurable. And of course, I will tell you that if you go back to the very first sin committed in, uh, in Scripture and in humankind, you go all the way back to the garden, what did Satan do? The serpent made sin appealing. He made it pleasurable. And so, you and I have to understand the deceitful and cunning character of sin. We see it through the cities of the plain. Now, note first of all, as we talk about the deceitful and cunning character of sin, sin always presents an enticing picture. It always presents an enticing picture. We are always drawn to do that which looks pleasurable. In fact, when we think about Moses and his testimony... Uh, What did the Bible say in the book of Hebrew about Moses? Uh, He forsook the pleasures of sin, did he not? And we find that sin is oftentimes shown and presented as an enticing way to lure us apart from the Lord. Now the cities of the plain presented an enticing picture. Turn with me back to Genesis chapter 13. If you're in Genesis 19, turn just a few pages back to Genesis chapter number 13. And I want you to notice Genesis chapter number 13, verses 10 through 13. Now, this is the passage of Scripture that deals with Abraham seeking to settle this strife between he and Lot. Notice verse number 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Now let me ask you this. 
if you could choose, now I'm taking I'm taking this strictly from from a fleshly perspective. Okay, if you could choose to live in an ugly plain of Illinois, where all you have is just flat land and there's nothing to see for miles, it's just fields and fields and fields. If you could choose to live right in the midst of that, or you could live in a plush garden location in Hawaii, where would you pick? If you said, Illinois, I need for you to get your head tested, okay? Because something is obviously not right with you. You would pick the lush place that is beautiful to look upon. Uh, listen, when you go stay at a resort, they don't decorate it like a sullen, barren field in Illinois. Okay, When Darlene and I got away for our vacation for our, our, our 40th wedding anniversary back in January, we went to Hawaii, you know, in the place that we stayed, the Halikoa, they did not decorate it like a, a barren field in Illinois. Okay, You have all the lush wildlife and the greenery and the flowers and so forth. It's it's very appealing. Now watch what Lot does. Lot looks at the what? The plain. And he sees that it's a well-watered plain and it's like the garden of the Lord. Imagine if you could go back to the Garden of Eden and how beautiful and lush it was. And Lot sees that. And what does he do in verse number 11? Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain. Did you get that? Where did Lot dwell? In the cities of the plain. And pitched his tent toward Sodom. Beloved, you and I must learn this about sin. It is always going to be appealing to us. If it weren't appealing, there would be no temptation. And so... We see here in the cities of the plain this very first lesson, the deceitful and cunning character of sin. Sin always presents an enticing picture. And then secondly, we note that failure to separate from this enticing sin always produces more wicked sin. Now, what happened? What happened because Lot went to the cities of the plain. That's, that's where he went. He went to the cities of the plain, the five cities of the plain. What happened because Lot went there? Now let me ask you this first of all. Was there really necessarily anything wrong with Lot looking and choosing the cities of the plain? I mean, that in itself wasn't a sin. But what followed certainly was a sin. And the point is this. That when you allow yourself to be enticed by sin, it turns into more than what you thought it would or could. How many situations have we seen where uh, a, a man and a woman get into an inappropriate affair? You know, and they're just, you know, they're joking and laughing. Maybe they're writing online, you know, on Facebook or whatever. You know, and something develops into what it shouldn't be. And then pretty soon they consummate the relationship you know, and this guy finds out that his wife's cheating on him, and he goes and kills both of them. You say, well, preacher, that's pretty extreme. No, it's not. It happens all the time. Right? And so, 
what might not seem like a sinful situation, though it would be enticing and draws and would draw someone in, it can result in more and, and, and always produces more wicked sin. Now this was true of the cities of the plain. In 1891 B.C., we find Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number 13 occurs. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verse number 13. Excuse me, not Genesis 12, verse number 13. Uh, Genesis, hang on, let me make sure I got the right scripture. Genesis 13, verse 13, my apologies. Genesis 13 and verse 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. This was in 1891 B.C. Now notice that it doesn't say anything about the other cities. Do you get that? But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. This was at the time that that Lot chose to go and dwell in the cities of the plain. Now, could it be that Lot had heard about the men in Sodom? And Lot said, you know what? I'm not going to Sodom. All I'm doing is I'm going to the cities of the plain. I'm not going to... It's okay for me to get close to Sodom, but I'm not going all the way into Sodom. Now, this is in, this is in 1891. In 1868... B.C., by the way, B.C., of course, God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. 23 to 24 years later, the men that are described as wicked and and sinners before the Lord exceedingly are still involved in that wicked lifestyle. And guess what? They've now drawn others in with them. In Genesis chapter 18, verse number 26, Abraham pleads, or Abram pleads with God, that if there's 50 righteous within the city, would God spare the city? And God said He would spare the city if there were 50 righteous. And do you remember the number that Abram got down to? Ten. If there are ten righteous in the city, I will spare the city. And by the way, I believe that he's talking about the whole area of the five cities. And I believe that because God destroyed all five cities. Now, compare all of this to Genesis chapter number 19 where we started this morning and then look at verses 12 and 13. Genesis chapter number 19 verses 12 and 13. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place. Because, uh, in verse number 13, for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Literally, the wickedness that was committed in the place. And that word is very important there in verse number 12, place. Because the word place in the Hebrew was used widely to denote or describe a locality or a general area. What am I trying to say this morning? that it wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah that had become involved in the wicked practice that we know they were destroyed for. We know that it had now reached the other cities of the plain. And so whenever sin is prevalent 
It is always going to reach further. It is going to produce more wicked sin. We could go into detail this morning and read other portions of Genesis chapter number 19, but suffice it to say, the wickedness that these men were practicing. And you know the story about when the visitors of the Lord came and what they wanted to do to them. And they wanted Lot to produce them that they could do to them. is horrific. And so, so failure to separate from sin, enticing sin, always produces more wicked sin. It was true of the cities of the plain. And it was true in Lot's own life. I alluded to this just a few moments ago. Lot started off dwelling in the cities of the plain and only pitched his tent toward Sodom. I remind you again of what Genesis 13 and verse number 12 reads. And Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. I don't believe Lot ever had the intention to actually move into Sodom. But he starts out choosing based upon the flesh. And he's living in the cities of the plain. And he had apparently made his way through each of the cities of the plain until he finally wound up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to Genesis 19 verse 29. We read it just a few moments ago when we read the initial uh, passage of Scripture. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. So what is the point? The point is that Lot chooses based upon his flesh, what looks good, what is enticing to him. I don't believe he ever had the intention of dwelling in Sodom. And he starts out in, in the cities of the plain, and he, he lives in this city, and then he moves a little bit closer. And he moves a little bit closer. And he finally winds up right in the midst of this sinful, wicked locale. He did dwell in Sodom. Because in Genesis 14 and verse number 12, we'll talk about that, that chapter here in just a few moments, we find that Lot was taken captive when the four kings came against the five and, uh, and, and, and wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to this in Genesis 14 and verse number 12. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. So we have, we have Lot going from dwelling in the cities of the plain, pitching his tent toward Sodom, to now finally dwelling in Sodom. And you know what? He didn't just dwell in Sodom. Eventually, he was fully entrenched in the affairs of the city of Sodom. You know how we know that? In Genesis 19, verse number 1, the Bible says, And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. That is indicative of somebody who had responsibility and, and, and was critical in the affairs and operations of the city. Can you imagine a saint of God winding up in, critical in the affairs of a city like Sodom. Now, sin, enticing sin, always produces more wicked results and, and, and finally ends in destruction. And we don't think that that's the case. Now let me show you something in the book of James. Turn with me to the book of James. And let me tie this point together, this lesson together. Look at James chapter number 1. 
James chapter number 1, verse number 13. James chapter 1, verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, and I'm talking, it's talking about tempted to sin. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, that bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. The first lesson that we see from the cities of the plain is the deceitful and cunning character of sin. Be careful what you tamper with. Be careful what you say when you say, well, you know, this in itself is not wrong. I can go ahead and do this. Lot said, I'm just going to dwell in the cities of the plain. It's a well-watered plain. It's a way to feed my cattle and my sheep and my herds. And he winds up living and sitting in the gate of the city of Sodom. The destructive, deceitful, and cunning character of sin. We learn a second lesson from the cities of the plain. We see the destructive consequences of condoning sin. The destructive consequences of condoning sin. What happens when we explicitly or implicitly condone sin? And you know there is a difference, right? To explicitly condone sin is to take up the banner of the cause and be for that cause. To implicitly condone sin is to know something as sin and say nothing or do nothing about it. To just stand by and allow things to happen. And I want to tell you this morning that in our nation, Christians have for a long time implicitly condoned sin. And we are reaping the consequences and the ramifications of years and years of implicitly condoning sin. We see the destructive consequences of condoning sin. We see, first of all, in, as it relates to the cities of the plain, the affinity shown by the other cities. Now these other cities, and, and remember, let's again, go back to what God said about where the sinful activities were taking place. God said, but the men of Sodom were sinners exceedingly. In the other cities of the plain, they did nothing to try to stop the sinful behavior of the men of Sodom. We know that because they joined affinity with Sodom and Gomorrah. They were not standing against the sin. They joined affinity with the sinners. We know this because of Genesis chapter 14. Go with me to Genesis chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, and then verse number 8. Notice the context in Genesis 14, verse 1. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariot, king of Elisar, Chedileamer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Admah, and Shamabar, king of Zeboam, and the king of Bela, which is Zor. All these were joined together in the vale of Siddim, which is the salt sea. Then notice verse 8. 
And there went out the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Admon, the king of Zeboam, and the king of Bela, the same as Zor. And they joined battle with them in the vale of Siddim. Do you notice that all of these cities, these five cities, had united together in a confederacy? These four, three other cities, other than Sodom and Gomorrah, had joined affinity with Sodom and Gomorrah. They were not doing anything to rebuke the sin. They were not doing anything to call out the sinful activity of the men of Sodom and Gomorrah. They joined affinity with them. And I say to you, that when you join affinity with those that are engaged in abominable practices, you are guilty of condoning their sin. You are impli either implicitly or explicitly condoning the sin. Notice the affinity shown by the other cities. Then think about the admonition that we have been given to stand against iniquity. And we see this, and, and you may, if you were here when we were studying this portion of the book of Ephesians, you will remember, first of all, Paul's Ephesian admonition. Paul's Ephesian admonition. How is it that we know that we're supposed to stand against sinful practices and sinful activities? Because the Bible tells us so. Do you remember Ephesians 5, verse 11? Ephesians 5, verse 11 reads, And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And the word reprove means to tell a fault. The word fellowship means to share in company with or co-participate co in or be a partaker of. The word reprove means to admonish, convince, tell a fault, or rebuke. We are, according to the Apostle Paul, to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Robertson's word picture says about this particular verse, that we are con to convict by turning the light on the darkness. So I say to you, that we are to live in such a way that sin is reproved. And it doesn't have to just be by our words. It can be by our actions. And if we implicitly condone sin by our actions, then certainly we can reprove sin and stand against iniquity by our actions. What are we doing? What are we doing to reprove sin? Are we condoning sin? I'm going to tell you, you look at our society today. I mean, our public schools are indoctrination fields. Be careful. Because your child can go to school one day saying she's a young lady and come back the next day saying she's a young man and you have no part in that. And if you don't understand that, you need to start doing your research and look at what's going on in public schools today. And we stand by and we do nothing. We don't say anything. We don't do anything. We condone sin on every phase and in every phase and in every field of society. We see the admonition to stand against iniquity, Paul's Ephesian admonition. But then I want you to think, as it relates to what we're talking about this morning, I want you to think about Abraham's example. What did Abraham do? Now, in Genesis chapter 14, who comes to Lot's rescue? Uncle Abraham. He comes to the rescue. Remember, I read a verse to you, Genesis chapter 14 and verse number 12. 
where Lot was taken captive, all of his goods, all of his family members taken captive by those four kings that had come against Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities of the plain. And who rescues Lot? Abraham. And after Abraham rescues Lot, and by extension, because Abraham rescued Lot, the other wicked kings benefited from Lot's good fortune at Uncle Abraham coming and rescuing him. And then they wanted to reward Abraham. And how did Abraham react to that? Notice Abram's uh, refusal to condone them in Genesis chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. Genesis 14, 21. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. You see what Abram's doing? Abram, first of all, testifies about the Most High God. I would say that that flies in the face of condoning sin. That is rebuking sin. To testify of the Most High God And then Abram says, you know what? I won't take a thing from you because I don't want you thinking that you've done anything for me. Abraham says, what I have done, I have done for the Lord and no doubt done for his nephew Lot. So I ask you this morning, do you understand the destructive consequences of condoning sin? Are we joining in affinity with sin like the cities of the plain? Do we understand the admonition to stand against sin? And then thirdly, we must realize this, that when we condone sin, and there is no voice to speak against the wicked activities that take place in our homes, in our churches, in our societies, that the only thing left to happen is destruction at the hand of God. Now, I'm not trying to preach a doomsday message this morning. I don't generally preach messages like this. But folks, you look at the state of affairs in our country today. I mean, my goodness. Brother Steve touched on this in the opening, you know, where we, you know, where we call evil good and good evil. And I mean, things are turned upside down. And, and, and it's crazy in society today. And we sit around and do nothing. We condone these sinful practices. Well, what is the only thing that can happen? Destructive consequences always result from our condoning sin. Now I want you to think about what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. All life was destroyed. All life. Look at it in Genesis 19 verse 25. In Genesis 19 verse number 25 the Bible reads, And he overthrew those cities in all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew upon the ground. So God not only destroyed all human life, He destroyed all plant life. God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then look at verse 28. In verse 28 it says, this is Abraham looking toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. There was nothing left of Sodom and Gomorrah. All life was destroyed. And all life was permanently destroyed. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 29, Moses writes in verse 23, Deuteronomy 29, 23, And that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning, that is not sown, nor beareth, nor any grass groweth therein, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboam, which the Lord overthrew in His anger and in His wrath. Nothing grew thence, ever. All life was destroyed. And future habitation of this location was disallowed by God. Listen to Jeremiah 49 verse 18. And Jeremiah repeats this verse almost verbatim in Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse number 40. Listen to what Jeremiah writes. As in the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor cities thereof. What are those neighbor cities? Admah, Zeboam, uh, that we just talked about. And, and he says, uh, Jeremiah writes, Thereof saith the Lord, No man shall abide there, neither shall a son of man dwell in it. I mean, it was completely desolate forever. I know we think a lot about how great our country is. And I believe that we're the greatest country on the earth. I believe in the principles of our founding fathers and the signers of the Declaration of Independence who gave all to sign that document. I believe in our Constitution. I believe in our military strength. But I know this. The long-suffering of God doesn't last forever. It didn't last forever with Sodom and Gomorrah. And we mock God. And we play games with God. And we somehow just think that our country will continue to exist. Will there be people inhabiting this land in 50 years? 30 years? You say, well, of course there will be. You don't know that. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. We reach the final point in the message today, the third lesson. We've looked at the deceitful and cunning character of sin as the first lesson. The second lesson, the destructive consequences of condoning sin. And then the third lesson, the deliverance by a compassionate and caring Savior. God wrought destruction on the cities of the plain, but not all of them. Now there were five cities, were there not? Admah, Zeboam, Bela, which became Zor, Sodom, and Gomorrah. Five cities. But I want you to note here that with a compassionate and caring Savior, God preserved or spared the little city. Look at Genesis chapter number 19, and we're going to read verses 17 through 23. Genesis chapter number 19, verses 17 through 23. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and has magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. O let me escape thither, is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee. Escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor. That's Bella, by the way. That's one of the cities of the plain. 
And we find that God preserved or spared that city. You know, God is gracious. God is a compassionate God. He's a caring God. And He has His purposes in preserving. And I believe that God takes no pleasure in the death of the sinner. We know that the book of Ezekiel talks about that. God issues the call. And God pleads with His people to learn the lesson of Lot. Do you understand this morning that God pleads with us as His people to learn the lessons of Lot? Here is Lot. He says, man, this looks like a nice place to live. I'm not going into that sinful city of Sodom. Oh no, you won't catch me there. But I'm going to live in the cities of the plain. And Lot moves his family there. Then pretty soon he goes from this city to that city to that city. And here he is dwelling in Sodom in the midst of this wicked, sinful city. And God says, I'm judging this city, but I will preserve you. You must flee. And I want you to think this morning about the situation in our nation today, in our homes, in our churches, in society. Would we listen to the plea of God? Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't condone this. Destruction is about to come. Would we listen to God plead with His people and learn the lesson of Lot? Listen to these admonitions quickly. I'm just going to read them to you for time's sake. God, through the prophet Hosea, speaks about how He had pled with His people that they might listen and and heed the examples of the cities of the plain. Hosea 11 verse 8 writes, How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Admah? How shall I set thee as Zeboam? Mine heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. God doesn't want to destroy His people. He doesn't want to send them into captivity. And He's pleading with them to listen to what He did to the cities of the plain, and they wouldn't listen. Peter in the New Testament writes in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 6, by way of exhorting the false prophets and the sinners, he writes, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, Condemn them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those after that should live ungodly. And then Jude gives us an example. In Jude verse 7, and you know there's only one chapter in the book of Jude. Jude 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Beloved, God pleads with His people, God pleads with man to learn the lesson of Lot. And so what should our response be as God's people? We know the response that the sinner should have to repent of his sin and and throw himself at the mercy of God. That should be our same response as children of the Lord. We should not presume upon God's good grace. We should not assume that God will spare us if He doesn't spare the United States. Oh sure, God will allow... God may yet destroy the United States, but He'll spare us. Do not presume upon God's good grace. Why was it... Why was it that Lot was saved? Why why was Lot delivered? Well, look at verse number 29. 
And it came to pass when God destroyed this. This is Genesis 19.29. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. God remembered Abraham and therefore he spared Lot. And because he spared Lot, by extension, he spared the city of Zor. God did that by his own good grace. And we ought not to presume upon God's good grace. That He will somehow spare us. Somehow because we're children of the Lord, God's God's destruction will not affect us. How did the, the captivity of Judah and Israel affect the people of God and in particular the prophets of God? Read Jeremiah's book. Jeremiah and Lamentations about how that affected Jeremiah. He was affected by what happened with God's judgment. Amos chapter 4 verse 11 reads, I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. His good graces did not work. It did not affect the people of God. And then in Isaiah chapter 3 and verse number 9, one final verse. We're talking about not presuming upon God's good grace. This is Isaiah 3, verse 9. The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. They flaunted their sin in the face of God. You think about some of the footage that you've seen recently on the news. I just saw this morning where our vice president was at a reproductive rights rally yesterday. And she's urging the people to fight against the recent rulings from the Supreme Court and other, other uh, uh, judiciaries that are not favorable to her. And she wants to fight. There's no shame at all. They're, they're all for the rule of law when the rule of law helps them. But when the rule of law doesn't help them, then they become very, very supportive of civil disobedience and disregarding the rules of judges and legal uh, verdicts and procedures and opinions that they don't like. Listen, beloved. It's high time for us as the people of God to be serious about what is happening in our country. God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and Adma and Zeboam. And the one city that was left was this little city that God allowed Lot and his family members to flee to for escape. God was merciful. Do not presume upon God's good grace. The cities of the plain. We all know about Sodom and Gomorrah. We sometimes forget about the other cities. We learn lessons from these cities of the plain. The deceitful and cunning character of sin. The destructive consequences of condoning sin. And the deliverance by a compassionate and caring Savior. We had to plead to God that we would have our minds restored to us in the United States. That we would have our senses restored to us. That His judgment might not fall upon us like it did with the cities of the plain. Let's pray.